Hello, stranger. Hello, Matthew. Don't see a lot of each other these days, Tom Parry. No, but I'm happy to hear your delectable tones in my ears this evening. Good. I like to massage your eardrums. You do have that gentle Welsh uh, lilt that I do so enjoy. I try my best, Tom. I try my best. <laughs> you know what I also like to to do sometimes, Tom? Well, I know a few things you like to do sometimes, but uh, what are we talking about specifically? The ones in relation to this podcast, Tom Parry, is talk about video games. So let's do that for the first time in like a month. I really like doing that as well. So yeah, good. I think that's a good idea. Let's do it. Then let's get on it. It's Tom and Matt Attack. There we go. That was my gasp for dramatic, like do 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 dum. Oh, what is that? Do 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 do. That is oh, it's Terminator. Terminator. Yeah, yeah. This isn't Terminator, say, though, or in no way affiliated. I was going to say it's not a uh, Top Gun, is it? That's that's a bit different. I watched it again recently. Really? And uh, this is a gaming-related thing. Okay. Out and about in town, in my local. Uh, town of Crew and saw Top Gun fire at will for the PS1. Oh wow! It was a Top Gun. And I, Top Gun PS1. I never knew of the existence of this game. Uh, I think they have. There's a Top Gun on the NES, isn't there? There but, uh, is. I didn't know there was one on the PS1. Game Boy. Also, I want to say there's a Top Gun game on the PS2 even. You know, I have a feeling there might be too. But uh, anyway, I was surprised to see this. So four pounds, I picked it up. And I was delighted to find out it's FMV cutscenes. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, a load of actors on the usual CG backgrounds. <laughs> oh, boy. So, like, not, you are, you're not Maverick, right? It's not like... You are Maverick. Oh! But you're not the same Maverick because no one else is the same. Okay. And uh, what's his name? Principal Strickland from Back to the Future, who's Maverick's first sort of boss before he moved to the Top Gun school. Yes, when they do the flying over it, the top of the plane bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's in it, but he's now in, running the Top Gun uh, thing. Okay. I guess he said he was the, the only actor they could get who would do it. Does it contain <laughs> Danger Zone? Is the soundtrack no, there? That, it, it, it advertises on the packaging that it has music from Top Gun and scenes from Top Gun. But it has new scenes, right? <laughs> and new music. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> okay. Have, have you not? Is there a volleyball mini game? Uh, not yet. Damn it. Anyway, the story is sort of a slow burn. I've only done two missions. The first was shoot a plane, that was over in a couple of seconds. Okay. And the second was shoot like five planes, and that was over in a reasonably short time as Let well. Let me guess. Third mission: shoot ten planes. It, it could be, but there's a little bit of going on now between. Uh, there's a little rivalry coming into play with uh, a goo- what's it? Is it Iceman, Iceman type character yeah. yeah yeah and there's a female pilot as well in this uh, and she's your friend okay and you know, Iceman's uh, Iceman equivalent is having a go what's Iceman equivalent's name 
Oh, I've forgotten, yeah. Oh. There's, there's none of the names as memorable as Top Gun. There's no Goose or whatever. I can't, is it one called Merlin? That's Tim Robbins, is it? Maybe. I, I don't know. You know Tim Robbins, I, I forgot Tim Robbins was in Top Gun. Your, He's only got a very small part. Your memory of Top Gun is clearly much better than mine. Well, it's because I watched it like two weeks oh, ago. Oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> then I had to buy the soundtrack. I mean, but it's a good soundtrack. I understand why you bought it. It's a good it. soundtrack. Yeah, and it was cheap. And strangely enough, it also come with four bonus tracks, which were non, not on the soundtrack, yes. but a Top Gun inspired. Yes, that that is a big thing in 80 soundtracks. Yeah, but it wasn't on the original soundtrack. It's on this uh, re-release. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, music from and inspired by Top Gun also includes Can't Fight This Feeling by Ario Speedwagon. Yeah. The Final Countdown by Europe, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, Starship, and The Power of Love by Jennifer Rush. I mean, all of them are kind of in that same vein of, like, power rock ballad. So it... Oh, and Broken Wings by Mr. Mister, which makes a lot of sense. Did you take these broken wings? (laughs) Yeah. But as I say about the game, none of that's in the game. The music sounds like it's trying to be Top Gun while avoiding copyright. Right. That's what it sounds like. But that it's got the Top Gun license, but I guess it hasn't got the license for the, all the music, which would probably be another thing. So does consider. it do like the the keyboardy like? Yeah, yeah, it, it's got it sort of, but, but then it's just not like slightly exact. off key. Yeah, and there's no vocals or anything on the music, so you need that kind of you know there's inspirational lyrics in a get in a Top Gun game, yeah. I think. Anyway, uh, that's a game. That that's a game. Yeah, it is. God, that sounds like one I need to get hold of. Top Gun Fire at Will for PS1. Fake it's an early FMV game, so it doesn't have... That sounds great. Yeah, it doesn't have analog controls. The guy I was talking to in uh, Cash Converters says, he looked at it and went, oh, I used to like Wing Commander. Oh, really? I said, oh, yeah, this is SE. He, he was eyeing it up. He was like, oh, is this like Wing Commander? Oh, looks good. <laughs> Did he have to pry it from his grubby hands? Are you like, no. I felt like fine. he could eat, because says uh, cash or card. I says card if that's right. He says, oh, no. Oh, it's only £5. You've got to be, spend uh... at least £5 for it to be on card. I was like, ah, but I got off. My friend uh, gave me four quid, so we're sorted. Four quid. I have to look up. Four quid? It's developed by Spectrum Holobyte, which I. The name rings yeah, a bell. Yeah, the name rings a bell for me as well. Uh, published by Microprose, who did a lot of flight. Simulators, didn't they? I feel. Hmm. If only we had some magical tool where we could look up what Spectrum Holobyte had done. Yeah, it's that name just hmm. sounds so familiar to me that I just can't think. Spectrum Holobyte was a video game developer published in 1983. Um, they have done lots of flying games called Falcon. They have lots of Tetris games as well. Um, oh, of course, they had one of the original uh, people who got hold of the Tetris name, didn't they? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, you were absolutely right. They are the, the people who kind of messed up the Tetris lighters. <laughs> right? I think so. It, was... it is very messy. And Where they, they only wanted it for the, the computers. PCs yes, not... that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. They right. thought they that had the rights sense. to other things, but then they only had the rights to that, and then I think that's. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. That's that's Spectrum Holobyte then. There you go. 
They're now owned by Hasbro. And yeah, Top Gun, fire at will, exclamation mark, is the last game they made. Do you also know it's available on DOS, Mac, and Windows? No, I did not, but I do now. It Crikey. seems like the kind, it's like Rebel Assault. It was on every sort of CD-based format. <laughs> oh, Tom Parry, do you know that they also did a game called Star Trek The Next Generation, A Final Unity? That rings a bell, that Oh, I know that name. Yes, that's a, that's quite an interesting game. Is it something to do with DS9? Or not? Um, no, it's um, it's next generation. Oh, next generation, right? Did you just say that? Uh, Sorry. But it's a, <laughs> I did. Yeah, it's in the title. It's in. It's a. It's an adventure game. Hmm. However, the cast of Next Generation all uh, reprised their roles, so it's officially licensed. And yeah, maybe a friend of mine had that actually when I was a kid. Yeah, I would have assumed Claire would have had it. With no, well, you know, she's always liked Star Trek, but she's only just got into it in a big way in the last few years. Okay, only only in time to get that Game Boy game then. Yes, she has a Game Game Boy Star Trek game, a couple of them. Yeah, there are a few. There's God, there's like four. Are you referencing that when she bought that fake one? Or I didn't know she bought a. She fake bought one. one. It turned out it was fake, but then she got another one that wasn't fake, and everyone was happy. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> so Matt, yeah, what's been going on with you? What games have you been playing? Not a lot, to be perfectly honest. Um, I I did delve into uh, a little bit of Mame Roms last night and played uh, some old shmups uh, nice. like Salamander or Life Force yeah. to us in Europe and North America, um, which is an enjoyable game. I have. It's got that, a really ne- not Nemesis. It's no, that's a different one. <laughs> Nemesis is Gradius. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. This is this whole weird, like, renaming convention thing that went on with a lot of shooters for some reason. Yeah, I got another one with with a serpent on the front. Yeah, that's uh, Life Force. Yes, or I, Salamander. I've got Life Force on the yeah. NES, yeah. Yeah, that's... you have Life Force, yeah. definitely, because I've played the NES version of it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, have you played the, the arcade, arcade version. version Even yeah. better. Yeah, um, it's really smooth scrolling. I don't know if the NES one does the same because I found it really hard and I don't think I beat the first boss on the NES. Right, yeah. But it, it was a bit different. You're flying, you're flying from uh, left to right. Obviously, it's a, mm. it's a vertical scrolling shooter. And then once you beat the first boss, it goes, go up! And the ship turns. And then it turns into a... Top down? A horizontal scrolling shooter, so it goes like Space Invaders. Do you mean vertical? Isn't that the other way around? Yeah, sorry, I do You've mean got them vertical. Flipped, it goes. I think. It's horizontal to start with, <laughs> yes. and then it turns into I was a vertical say. shooter, and then it switches back to a horizontal yeah. one. I guess the way the levels are structured on the ROM is that they go from left to right, and then they go up, and then okay. they go left to right. Yeah, I don't know, but it, it's really interesting. I've not actually seen a game do that switch before, um... so it was kind of fun to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I also played a little bit of Irem's 1993 uh, side-scrolling shooter, uh, beat 'em up. Sorry, that I've also talked about in this podcast way, way back beam in like up. the earlier episodes. And that is uh, Ninja Baseball Batman. Are you, are you unaware? No, of Ninja I know. Baseball I know Batman? the game, but that's another name for it, is it? That Ninja Baseball Batman is the name of the game. Well, was that what you mentioned? Beam up a second ago. Oh, I said I said way way back. Oh, 
Okay. Sorry. I, I think it's because I've got one headphone here. That's... I said beat em up, Tom Oh, beat em up. A side scrolling beat em up. I do apologise. It's okay. No, I, I played a bit of. Yeah, uh, well, that's a game I think uh, demands to be played, really, doesn't it? It's a really good game. Yeah, like, it, I was it quite... seems like that to me. It's really fun, really quirky, really colourful. I only played up until the end of the first level, but I you get there's a an option to pick which level you play, and I always pick the airport just because I think the big plane boss is pretty damn fun. Mm. Also, just like there's nice little ability things, like you being able to actually like home run enemies, and you pick up loads of power ups that do area of effect damages and stuff. It's really cool. Mm. And arcade only. Wasn't it? Arcade yeah. only, unfortunately. I don't know if it was ever released on any collections, even. I think yeah, it was literally sure just was, one of those yeah. weird things that would just have fallen into obscurity if not for the ROM scene, actually. Yeah. Okay. So it goes. Yeah, Anything else? Um, other, than, other than that, I've just really uh, still been playing Hollow Knight. Um, it's become for my the game of choice Nintendo for when I, I want to dabble. Yeehaw, yes, on the Switch. Switch is uh, officially um, my least played console, by the way. Really? I, it's just, you know, the more and more games, uh, there's rumour now that Super Mario Brothers Wii U's coming out on the Switch, and there's just not enough to interest me there. I, I, I just don't tend to play it. Play um, Mario Odyssey, I... that's, you know, that was exclusive to the Switch, that was great. And there are a couple of very good games that have come out on the Switch as well as other platforms. Like Minute has just recently come out on the Switch and it was only available on PS4 before that, so I might pick that up. Not heard of that. Um, Dead Cells has come out on the Switch. Um, so Minute is a game where you play the game one minute at a time. It's like a Zelda game. It's top-down. Oh, okay. And the whole idea, the whole idea is you need to... You get to points in the game where it goes, okay, you've beaten this bit of the game now, and then we start from here in a minute at a time. All right. But the whole the whole gameplay hook is essentially, okay, I dive in, I have a minute to figure out what I should be doing in this room. That sounds Mario a bit West stressful. Oh, is it stressful? <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like it's that stressful. I think the tasks you need to achieve within the minute are, are pretty doable. Yeah, okay. It's just figuring them out and going, okay, I've got a minute. In, to in a WarioWare kind of way. No, I can see what you, you, you're getting out there. Yeah. It, well, from the sounds of things, anyway, I've not played it yet. It's, it's one I've been meaning to pick up. I probably will at the But again, it's moment. another digital only game, and it's, it's a minefield finding the games in that store. Yes, it's just it it's, a little, it's like the needle in a haystack. Unless it's on sale, yeah. I don't tend to go any further than that. I did happen no. to get uh, Owl Boy the other day in the sale. Yeah, you, you familiar with Owl Boy? I am familiar with Owl Boy. Yeah, I've not picked it up. It's... I was looking at it in the sale, but they've also released it physically now. So I'm okay. like, ah, oh, should I get it? Yeah, I have no interest in physical games for Switch. I really don't, uh, unless it's like big. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't fair. need more switch cases. <laughs> it's funny that because <laughs> usually I'm 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 someone who quite likes to have physical games, but I think it's since coming back from Denmark and having very limited space where I am at the minute. Yeah, if it's a console, I don't necessarily need the physical cartridges for. I'd like everything on the Switch to be on there already. It, if it's a portable yeah. console, if I have the option, it's kind of I find it kind of nice. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's not. It's never really a console I play uh, docked. Strangely enough, no. 
Me neither, actually. Yeah, it, it, it's a funny, it's a funny old beast. I think the Switch, and I think it's a fine machine, but it's not something I find myself going to purely because, well, I can mostly play all the games somewhere else. Uh, well, yeah, there is that, but it's also, to be honest with you, nine times out of ten, we will be watching something on the TV, and then I'll be playing on the Switch. So for me, it's uh, a perfect little thing of just like, hey, I guess that's Martha wants to watch something, so I will grab the Switch, and then I'll I'll give it a bash. What I do in that situation is just pick up the SP and play Tetris. <laughs> uh, I mean, generally speaking, like the SP would be my go-to, and that's actually going to be in my travel bag next yeah. week when I, I go on my adventures. I won't take the Switch with me because I'm afraid I'll lose it or I'll break it. So the SP will the, go back and I'll be playing Tetris. It's just a little too big for a portable console. Yes, I would I would actually agree yeah. with you. However, I I love again, I I will sing the praises of this console forever because it is exactly what I wanted in a an actual console. It, this ability to be able to take it with me wherever I'm going and play these big games. Yes. In whatever country I'm in. In whatever country I'm in. It's great for me, it's especially great for when me. we're going on travels or whatever, longer term things like the wedding, having the Switch with me was awesome. Mm. Yeah, but, I mean, I, mean yeah. I I think it is good, but I just don't find myself using it a lot. It, it, it's a strange, uh, strange relationship that I have with the Nintendo Switch, yeah. Yeah, no, it's odd, because to be honest with you, for me... A lot of the games that I, I would have generally jumped on, like I really wanted to buy Minute back in January when it came out. I wanted to buy Dead Cells, which is another Metroidvania. I also wanted to buy Hollow Knight, which has been available on Steam since like last October, but I was like, no, I'll wait for the Switch version. Mm. And that is purely down to me saying, hey, I want to sit down on my couch and play this, because that's generally how I'm consuming games at the moment. Mm. Is I'm not sitting down for long stints like I usually would. I'm just sitting down and then I'm on a quick dabble and then running away again. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think maybe what's going to happen in the future is there's going to be a smaller Switch, a Switch Lite, so to speak, without the Joy-Cons uh, detachable. Maybe they're all, you know, they're all attached. The whole thing is going to be a little bit smaller. And I think as the 3DS does go out, Nintendo... The Nintendo Switch as it is can't really replace the 3DS. And I feel like Nintendo are going to... Because they always do it. They always make another model of the same thing if it's portable. Yeah. So it goes without saying that I think they'll make a cheaper Switch, that I say, without maybe getting rid of that functionality to take off the Joy-Cons and offer that as an alternative. Yeah. That's a theory I, I think that, that really could happen in the future. And maybe make the thing a little bit cheaper as well. Uh, like a budget switch in the same way like you've got the 2DS. Yeah, it could work. I mean, just like a solid like all-in-one thing. Yeah, and I mean, as the technology gets cheaper as well. I mean, right now, I don't know if it's feasible to do a smaller version of the Switch just because the fact that the Switch actually works in a, you know, casing that small is still quite amazing to me. I mean, theoretically, yeah, I, I imagine it would be possible. Because you've got, you've got a, like phones that are quite small that you can do quite yeah, amazing I mean, things. You know, I I would argue, and this is me speaking out of my ass, but looking at some of the stuff that can run on the iPhone X, mm. I would imagine that phone is probably about as powerful as the Switch. Yeah. So it makes sense that you could actually compact some of that technology, have a small form around it and make it something like a Vita. 
Mm. It's just whether Nintendo wants to do that or not, I guess, is the issue. Yeah, I think as long as the 3DS is still around, they won't. But I think there'll be there'll be a user base that'll want something smaller to replace the 3DS. Maybe they'll no, do a survey and say that everyone's happy with the size of the Switch, but I don't think that's that's the case. I personally would kind of like the idea of having a, a smaller Switch. I think it's quite polarizing, though. Like you and I are both saying, "Oh, we never take it out of the dock." But I also know. No, no, I'm saying that I never put it in the dock. Like play it on in the dock. I meant sorry. We always play it in handheld mode. But I know people who are the opposite who never take it out of the dock and are just playing it on the TV Mm. as their main console. Because maybe they don't have another console or. No, 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 no. These are these are people we work with who will also have a PS4 or something else. Mm. They just they really like playing their games on the Switch because they know. If they do need to take the games on the go with them, they can do. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess that was what Nintendo was selling it on originally, but it's never quite, yeah, yeah never quite worked out for me that. But there you go. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't pay, play Odyssey. I only played Odyssey when I was on the the train, mainly because I don't play a lot of games. I guess, and when I'm at home, I just play a console that's at home, really. I guess it's just it's always been the nature of how I play with games. Yeah. I mean, it's why I I'm so into the Game Boy is I always used to while my parents were watching TV or whatever. I always used to be on the couch just playing the Game Boy. It's nice that you were there in the room with years. them, offering them some company. Yeah, but still there, yeah, into I mean, doing your own thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's you know I always used to do it with you, and when our good friend Austin was over, you guys would be watching something on the TV. I'd yeah. be playing on the Wii U. On oh, the I know. Pad. I know. It's something I like doing. It's like, okay, I'll be there, I'll be social, but I also like doing, like playing games and filling that time with someone else as well. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, a portable console I did get recently, which I don't think we've discussed on the podcast, is the N Gauge. You. Oh, you actually got okay, an N-Gage, so finally. You want to hear a funny story? Here's a funny story. I do. I thought I wasn't going to get this N-Gage. I thought it was going to be a repeat of last time. I bought it on eBay again. It's from a Chinese seller who was selling right. it um, with, you know, uh, a charger and with the ability to play games, you know, uh, unlocked, I mean to yeah. say, because the N-Gage requires a SIM card and... If the obviously the phone's locked to a network, you need that network SIM card. This was unlocked, so I was able to get um, a SIM card from from Claire. And gave gave me one, so I could use it. Uh, so I ordered it. Very happy. I think it cost around about thirty pounds all in. Wow. Uh, for an engage, and I thought there wasn't a proper photo of it. It was just like a stock photo. Uh, but yeah. the seller had a good reputation, so I thought like, great. And then uh, after a little while, because it's coming from overseas, I received a package. Now, opening it, I thought it was the N-Gage. It was actually a small pair of child's light-up shoes or sandals. Uh, And these were very funky and very bright and very colourful. But uh, Did they fit your hand? (laughs) Nearly. But they were not a a N-Gage. So I no. actually contacted the seller straight away. I said, I think you've sent me the wrong thing. I've received these this small pair of shoes and I ordered a <laughs> engage. And so they, they said, we need a bit more information. Can you take some photos of the shoes? And so I obliged. You know, they're trying to work out apparently what warehouse they'd come from and where the mix-up had happened. Um, yeah. In the nicest, politest way you, you may have from a uh, seller from China, always very friendly, uh, a bit of broken yes. English in this case, but very friendly and very accommodating. Anyway, the next day, I received another package, and it was the N-Gage. It seemed like they sent me the shoes and the N-Gage. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I said, 
Uh, I let them know, and they said, "Oh, keep hold of the shoes and do with them what you, what you will, what, whatever you yeah. like." Uh, glad you've got your engage, and everyone's happy. And... Have you equipped a child with these funky light up shoes? I've given you? them to Claire to hand over to one of her uh, cousin's uh, kids. So, okay, that's good. So everyone's a winner, baby. Everyone's a winner, but you know, I've got engage now, and and was it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. What is it worth all these years of wondering uh, for a really uh, disappointing port of Sonic Advance with terrible sound yeah. and, uh, of yeah. course, it does not suit a vertical uh, screen because it's a horizontally no, scrolling game. Uh, so that was that didn't work so well. Tomb Raider was technically very impressive. With a few yes. cutbacks in terms of, I can't remember there being any uh, voice samples uh, in no. it. There was music, Probably as not. I remembered it, but uh, it looked very good. But, you know, it's awkward playing Tomb Raider, the original game, at the best of times. Playing it on a phone is, yeah, is a little bit more awkward. But, you know, it, it is playable, but... And all, interestingly enough, it came out at the time of uh, Angel of Darkness for the PS2. Uh, Lara's actually yeah. dressed in her black outfit as opposed to a blue one. Oh, but it okay, is the original Tomb Raider game. Uh, a game that does fare a little bear is um, Tony Hawk's Pro, Sk- Pro Skater. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that's actually pretty competent. And the music sounds a lot better. Something, something must be seriously wrong with Sonic Advance because... I thought first, can a engage not handle sound very well at all? And yeah. yes, it always sounds a bit crappy, but uh, yes. it sounded a little bit better on Tony Hawk's. So it's it hit and miss for me. Uh, I've had some recommendations that Pandemonium is very good on the engage. I hear Pandemonium is good. I hear that the Elder Scrolls game is supposed to be very good. Actually, yeah, can't see myself getting that one. But, uh, no, me neither, but I, I hear it's a, a pretty impressive Elder Scrolls point. Mm. I'd like to try maybe uh, the Call of Duty game for it as well. Or Medal of Honor, is it? Is it Call of Duty Medal of Honor? One... It's Medal of Honor, okay. I think, I would assume, from that time period. And there's... I would... Yeah? I have Puzzle Bobble for the N-Gage. I assume that would be all right. Oh, that's nice. I've played uh, Puyo Puyo on it, and yeah. that's incredibly small. Because <laughs> okay. you're always playing against another player, so... Oh yeah, of course, because then you got so it's still yeah, pretty two pretty small. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. Uh, but it's a fun curiosity. It didn't you know? It didn't cost me as much as I've seen them go for on eBay as as of late. No. So and it was very easy I, to get. Well, reasonably. I hear the second engage is the one. That's to the get one I have. That's, oh really? Yeah. Even the second one? Okay, interesting. It, what's great? The but... first one is awful. Well, the it has one is really problems. Bad. It has problems such as having to take the whole back off to put a game in. Uh, yes. Whereas I think you put it underneath the battery on the original. Whereas this one, you slide it into the bottom. It's still a bit difficult to take out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's better than the original. So would I recommend our listeners to run out and buy an Engage? No, not particularly. No, I could have told you that. Anyway, I, I did tell you this on the very podcast. <laughs> I still haven't tried Super, Mon- Super Monkey Ball on it, but I can't imagine that's going to be very good. Uh, maybe you'd be all right. I don't know. I think I'd just play the Game Boy Advance version. It's probably better. That's sort of the everyone. thing you get with the Engage. You can You just think, why am I aren't I playing on a Game Boy Advance? 
That's a question a lot of people often ask themselves. But uh, I say some of the three the three D is better than what the Game Boy Advance can do. So if you you want to have those three D games on the go, you sacrifice uh, ease of control for graphics, really. Yeah, and I mean the the, the Game Boy Advance was never meant to do three D stuff. That's why a lot of developers find the three D stuff for that console a nightmare because the chips are never meant to program three D things. But that's the yeah. way it went. But the N-Gage is totally kitted, kitted out to do 3D, and it does look pretty good. Like uh, like my PC, uh, when I was playing Tomb Raider back in the day, it, it does about as good a job as my PC did. So, <laughs> Okay. And that was reasonably good. High resolution. You know, it's not blocky, crappy looking. You know, it's not really low yeah. res. It's actually got a pretty high resolution. So you can see okay, it very good. clearly, <laughs> despite that's its size. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I had much more fun with my Game Gear, which uh, I also got around the same time. Uh, with it, I've really been enjoying playing the Game Gear, especially since mine's been modded with a nice light, uh, better light. Yeah. So I can see what I'm doing. So uh, that's been fun. Uh, but I found a lot of the Game Gear games that I've been playing are the same games I know on Master System. <laughs> yes. But the, I, I knew that going into it, but I, do, I will say, if you like Tasmania on Master System... Do yeah. not think that the Game Gear game is the same. It's really not very good. So uh, that's just a that's word a of warning out there. The Mass System version of Tasmania is particularly good. Also, the version of Jurassic Park is different on the Game Gear. I've also discovered yes. that. Yeah. It is indeed. All versions of Jurassic Park are different, pretty much. Which is kind of cool because it's kind of the similar sort of game. It's not as linear as the Mass System one. And you play as a, a female character as opposed to Alan Grant. Oh, really? If you do in, oh, interesting. Um, in the math system version. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. So. No, like, I, I've never, ever since, like, buying it and picking up a few games for it, I've never really felt the urge again to pick up my Game Gear. I, really? I, well, I you're look a Game Boy boy, time. Well, no, it's just, I just don't think most of the games are very good. Is my issue with it. Most of the ones I have, and like I have some pretty solid titles. I, can I have things a like few. Shinobi, and I have things like Factory Panic, which I thought was a bit of a hidden gem, and no one seems to really talk oh, I about. I don't know, don't know that one. Um, Factory Panic is. I why did I end up picking up Factory Panic? It's a puzzle game uh, by a Japanese developer that I will tell you the name of in a minute. Uh, devilish is good. I... Devilish? I don't have Devilish actually. Oh, so I've not good. picked that game up. Um I recommend Haley Wars also, which is a top down shooter where meteorites are falling to Earth and you've got to destroy the meteorites as you destroy the enemies as well before the Earth gets destroyed by the meteorites. Okay. That's, uh, that's maybe I'll pick that that's up. That's a good one. That's Both nice. these games you can get for under a fiver. Which is a nice yeah. thing about the Game Gear as well. How were the Mickey Mouse games like World of Illusion and okay, all of these? Okay, so uh, it's not World, it's uh, Land. You can get Castle of Illusion, Land of Illusion, Land of Illusion yeah. and Legend of Illusion is actually uh, exclusive to the Game Gear. Uh, yeah. Both uh, Castle of Illusion and Legend of Illusion, not Legend, sorry, Land of Illusion are the same as the Mass sorry. System ones from what I can tell. So they're, they're both good yeah. games. Uh, Land of Illusion isn't linear. It's sort of if you go back and forth, you do one thing, then it opens up another thing in another level. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's 
it's quite interesting that they went for a different direction with the sequel. It's quite nice at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I could recommend both those okay. games. And again, they're also incredibly affordable games for the game. Gear. Oh, for sure. I, I, I think I have one. I can't remember which one it is, but I think I paid like £4 for it. Yeah. Try and get a Legend, but the thing is about that game is it seems to be very rare in PAL territories, not so much in uh, America. Okay. So. I will have an eye out for it when I go to Paris next week. Yep. Something I've um, come across recently is the PAL-B situation with games. Like some games in, in France uses PAL B, doesn't it? Um, right, so... Some are pal every, A and B, and some are just Every B. region except the UK, I think, is actually pal B. Uh, it means mainland Europe. Yeah, uh, and that's why are, the NES Euro- European edition exists. Yes, yeah. because it doesn't run pal A, which no. is the UK copies. Which is called the uh, NES or the Mattel version. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, Tom Parry. Uh, that's when yeah, it comes to NES, uh, isn't it? I don't think that exists on Sega hardware, because I no, think Sega, I don't think at least Master System stuff, is pretty region-free, right? Uh, I've never played a game from another region, so I wouldn't know on the Master System. I'm, I'm, don't quote me on this, dear listeners, but I think <laughs> the Master System is region-free. I know Mega Drive games can be here or there. Oh, they are here or there. Alternate. Super Nintendo yeah. games, if they're published by Nintendo, then they won't work on your Japanese or American systems if they're PAL. I, no. I've learned that from not having the yeah, ability to play PAL games. <laughs> it's a strange situation. I mentioned the PAL-B thing because um, I was interested in the NES version of Lion King. Because right. it's absolutely terrible, I, f- I found out eventually. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, the Game Boy version is, a, yeah, is based that. on the NES version. Yeah. That sucks. It, it, so. it does. You know, Compared to the very, very competent Game Gear Mass System versions, which I would recommend. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Also, the Mega Drive version is yeah. top-notch. Of course, yeah. And the Super Nintendo one. Super Nintendo one notable for very good uh, music, even yes. over the uh, Mega Drive one. Super Nintendo games usually are, aren't they? But there was a, mm-hmm. a PAL-B copy of this Lion King NES game going, and I was like, oh, can I play that? And then I learned that, oh, no, I can't. But it was cheap. And then I played the game mm-hmm. and the, on an emulator, and then I realised, no, this isn't worth any of my time whatsoever. I would totally agree with that. Also, there is there's something you can do to your NES to make it play PAL-A or PAL-B. That's not... a issue no okay there's like there's one pin or something difference in the console or there's a switch somewhere in the console and you can flip it i can't yeah. remember what the score is I was just, that's not difficult i was wondering if you could get games cheaper if they, you buy a pal b copy because this pal b lion um, king was dirt cheap compared to the equivalent pal a copies which were in the hundreds of pounds because apparently it was the last nes game to be made in uh, released oh, in, really? in in europe um, Interesting. Yeah, whereas the PAL-B one is, in comparison, a lot more affordable um, from what I saw online. It, it would not surprise me, but yeah, it all really, really depends because there are certain games, there are a lot of games that were only released PAL-B. Mm. Uh most of the notable ones, actually, most of the ones that people really love for the NES, um, 
in variety of regions, of course, but like Gimmick is the the standout SEN Pal B game. Oh, uh, you have Pal B. Little Samson is only Pal B. Uh, Panic Restaurant is only Pal B. I mean, that's important information to know, isn't it? Really? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, there's lots of like weird games as well, like uh, Banana King. I think the game is called is only Pal B. Mm. I want to say that one of the Ninja Gaiden games is also or Shadow Warrior, sorry, is only Pal B as well. Well, I, I know the there's um, Ninja Gaiden 2, I think, was released in Australia, but I don't know if it was released... Was it released also in the uh, UK? I can't recall that. What's that, sorry? Ninja, Ninja Gaiden 2. Uh, I, I seem to have the impression it was only released in Australia. It, it may well have been. As well as America, of course. I'm not sure if it got released in Europe. So, I, I assume yeah. Australia's Palais, though, isn't it? I don't know. Pa- yeah, sorry, Australia is also Palais. Yeah. 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 Which is annoying for... Because... So, when you are an NES collector, uh, a lot of people go down this route of saying, okay, I am only collecting Palais. Yeah. Which, the price of those games is quite high because they are limited games. There are one or two super rare ones. Um, and it also means that they don't have to faff around and try and buy stuff like Gimmick that never came out in the UK. Of course, yeah. Uh, but it it's also, it means that some of the Australian only NES games count in that set then. Yeah. So you have like Aussie Rules Football and uh, 12 Yard Fight, I think the name of the game is. It's an American football game. Mm-hmm. There's a few that were only released in Australia that are like, well, Aussie Rules Football is only released in Australia anyway, but like 12 Yard Fight is like super common in the NES in America because it was a, a black box game. Mm-hmm. But obviously, no one really gave a shit about American football in the 80s, so it was only released in Australia, and there is pretty rare because of that. Okay, I have to know so, that. So, yeah, this regional thing. It, you also get people do it with Game Boy games to some respect, because PAL, PAL as a format doesn't really exist in the Game Boy library. No. Because the Game Boy is region-free. And so to set limitations, people say the European set, the American set, and the Japanese set. Mm. Though then you get people who go, okay, I'm only collecting UKV, which is the the games that were officially released in the UK. Okay, I'm only collecting SEN, which is Scandinavian, or NOE, which is Mm. uh, for Germany. It's all so different, isn't it? When you're video game collecting, you say maybe you want to collect a full set of something. Well, it really depends on what country you live in as to uh, which full set you actually want to go for. Mm. Yes, exactly. And then you get idiots like me who go, no, I'll have them all, thanks. For the Game Boy. So, yeah. yeah. I'm still super close to that, to getting all those American games. I think I'm only down to like nine now. But That's, that's impressive. But the Japanese games, just... I imagine there's so many more of them. And most of them are rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by rubbish, I mean Mahjong or JRPGs that were meant to cash in on Pokemon that aren't very good yeah. and I can't read, so I don't really care. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, there's, there's, yeah, it's like Did... nine games I need now. Some of them are like dirt common, but they, I don't want to pay the import tax no. on them. And then there's a few. JRPGs well, there's no rushes there, really. No, and that's the thing. It's just like. 
the the RPGs are rising in price, which is making me think, oh, oh maybe well, I should buy those sooner rather than later. But you... they never a copy of um, Ultima Two: Ruins of Virtue is never going to be the price of Trip World, at least Touchwood. I hope no, not. No. So because it's not a very good game and even though it is slightly rare like Sword of Hope 2 is a game I can see rising in price for the yeah. Game Boy that I should really get sooner rather than later but... so uh, it just frustrates me that uh, something like Lion King which is terrible on the NES is so expensive in Palais well, it's also... I think it's also the same with Aladdin I can't remember if it's Palais or Pal B but one of them super rare but the other one's super common Yeah, it's just markets man it's honestly yeah. what was popular in which country why when. is it always these the, the... These terrible games that are so expensive, and it's like, well, what? Why would you, unless you were wanting to be a completist about it, you just wouldn't bother, would you? So why then they're still so expensive? Well, they're not desirable games, but they're super expensive. No, but it's because it just fuels this collector mentality. It's not about the game at all, is it? It's just about owning the object. Exactly. Yeah. Someone wants a physical cartridge in their collection Which, to say, hey, I have this I think thing. that's something I could get my head around, because whenever I buy a game, it's because I want to play it. Usually. Yeah. Unless it's a Lemmings game, or a Worms game, but we won't go into that. <laughs> no, it's a dark and twisted part. Yeah. No, I mean, like, for me, I, I want to have them to hand, and especially with the thing that just happened with Emmy Paradise, which is where yeah. I generally used to get my ROMs from when I was recording footage for Archive. Well, it's a very reasons. convenient and reliable place for ROMs, which can't be said about some other places online. Well, most of the internet, because yeah. every other place I've tried to download a ROM from in the last couple of weeks has given me malware, so well, I've tried to. Yeah, and... yeah, or, or it just never finds the ROM. I think it's at sourcing them from somewhere else. Like ROMs yeah. Mania, for instance. Uh, I managed yeah. to get a couple through that recently, but now suddenly, no, 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 it's not linking. Uh, it's probably because a lot of them were just uh, a front for Emu Paradise, like they were trying to make advertising. Yeah, revenue, it could be, but I did go to that after Paradise. that had gone. I did manage to get a few. Uh, now, now, these are games I own, I have to say, and games yeah, I just wanted too. to record, <laughs> basically, in a yeah, much easier same. way than uh, Game Gear games. It's difficult to uh, record, but as you've told also me, just, the, you can get the system modded. But yeah, but it's also just ridiculous. Yeah. It's like any time I need to record an NES game that I own, I will record the ROM because a my NES is super temperamental yeah. and blinks all of the bloody time. Yeah. Uh, but b it's just like okay, getting the thing out, making sure I find all the leads, setting it up to the Absolutely. frame, putting the it's... frame master profiles on it. It's just like I it's just not use that OBS to record my screen usually. Yeah, and that's yeah, that works. Me too. <laughs> Me too. So, yeah, that's uh, well, we've covered a few subjects there. <laughs> we have, yeah, um, in a bit of a string of. I'm kind of a bit. What do you feel about this whole like crackdown on ROMs thing? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I do have an opinion on it. Uh, some games are hard to get hold of. They're either stupidly expensive. They might not have been released in your territory, or they might not even have been released properly at all. You know, some of these yeah. prototype games that doing the rounds online as well. So I always appreciated the ability to go on and get ROMs. Um, yeah, me too. And do you think people abuse ROMs and they're not buying uh, official releases because of that? I don't know, because I think that there's still a big market for um, 
downloading Zelda or Mario from a legitimate Nintendo source. I, I don't see Nintendo perhaps have to worry that people won't still do that if these sites exist. Uh, yeah, that's, that's... Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> so, I mean, like, I I completely understand... I understand the ethics on ...saying, totally. hey, you are, you are taking this thing that we could make a profit off mm. of and you do not own the rights no, to this. No. That's, that's perfectly fine. I understand why a site like Emmy Paradise would then shut down in the wake of this and say, hey, we have been subject to lawsuits for 18 years. We don't th- want to run the risk of this anymore because we've seen what's happening in the moment of the culture, so we're going to take them offline. That's fine. I just wish they would have sorted... Uh, the archives in the same way that a website like abandonware.com usually does mm. and the, the whole idea for like computers and abandonware is a developer's not done anything with this this game or yeah. this piece of software in 20 years it is here we are until someone tells us otherwise we are going to upload this thing onto this website and it will live here as a thing you can use as a resource or play or whatever and as soon as someone tells us, hey, actually, no, we still own the copyright to this, we'll take it down. Mm. And for me, that is fine. I think that's just about opening a dialogue and saying, okay, do you think that uh, Bandai Namco is going to come after you because of a, a 30-year-old Fist of the North Star game that no one's ever played and no one's ever cared about again? Yeah, there are certain games which aren't being pushed now um, that are kind of going to run the risk of getting lost in time. Yeah. And I, I think mean, that's actually, a terrible shame because, you know, there's a lot of hard work has been put into these games, you know, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe not all of them, <laughs> maybe a few maybe are rushed out, but there are some games which, you know, might just get lost now because certain, you know, companies feel like the whole site's got to go down. Yeah. You know. But it's also just like, you know, we we've been very spoiled. Uh, the fact that emulation has been so rampant for the last like 20 oh, of years. Course, people yeah. were, passionate and actually bought these cartridges and sourced these things and dumped the ROMs and everything else. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it's this way with films, right? There's the reason you still have a VHS cassette player is because some films weren't yeah. released on DVD. So, yeah. And I actually, I was trying to find a a copy online that I could legally buy, and I, I own up to this completely. I was willing to pay money to watch this film for a game I want to review for a biographic next week. Right. And then I couldn't find it. I was like, okay, does a streaming service have it? I will sign up for a free trial or whatever and I'll watch it through a streaming service. Or is there a copy mm. of it on YouTube because no one's watched this movie or cared about it? No. And I can't find it anywhere. And I'm like, well, I'll go to Amazon and then they only have French DVDs of it and they're like 50 quid. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I'm not going to pay 50 quid to watch it. So I guess I won't watch it then. I guess I won't get that context. But that has never really been that much of a thing for games because generally speaking you can just go online and you can download and that, them as ROMs. That could change. And I think it will. Mm. I, I think that's the, the world we're living it's, in. It's now. a little bit that... like, I don't know if it's a great analogy, but saying that you can't see a painting by an artist again. It's never going to be exhibited in a way that you can see it again. Games are interesting because you know you want to experience them different than a yeah. than an image, for example, like a painting, because you know you can just see that. 
but a game, you know, it's got to be played to really be appreciated. And if you we lose the ability to play these games, then that yeah, as I said before, they're lost. But the yeah. But I did, I did actually see a quote by someone on uh, Twitter. Someone had said, like, look, I understand that video game preservation is important, but actually we as a society are trying to preserve too many things and make too many museums about too many things that, in all honesty, in 100 years aren't going to matter. So why are we doing this? Why are we spending our efforts? Well, I guess they matter of... to certain people. I guess there's certain groups of people who things matter yeah, to more than others. And it's that and I mean, m- I am one of them, but yeah. his his critique was not so much on like, yes, I like this guy develops video games. Mm. It isn't so much on the fact that, hey, people want to care about this. His his critique was more, hey, why don't people care enough about society and politics? Why is everyone investing their energies in trying to preserve video games when they, they should be trying to fix the world? And I... Well, maybe video games, the interest of video games is a result of how the world is. Yeah, exactly. But his <laughs> critique was then trying to... You know, if they take away our video like games, then, you know, there's, uh, that's, that's, that's a nice thing to have. <laughs> I mean, It yeah, doesn't but... say you have to be oblivious to what's going on in the world, either, to spend a, an hour or so playing a video game to, you know, for enjoyment. No, for sure. Yeah. No, for sure. But he, he's just saying, like, look, people are going out of their way and they're spending, like, they're spending their lives trying to preserve this small piece of pop culture. Why yeah. don't they use that energy for something else? Oh, you could have made that argument about anything, but... couldn't you, really? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you doing this? That... You should be doing that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, what does any bit actually matter? And what yeah, and it's, change, it's another but... person's opinion of how you should spend your time. Really. Exactly, and yeah. then there's another hundred people who also have a contrary opinion to that, and saying, "Hey, actually, no, you should be so spending your time doing this." It's so difficult. Your time doing that um, conversation to give sort of a an answer to, uh, really. But uh, yeah, so Nintendo have been the ones. Have they this confirmed that they're the ones who have decided to? Shut down, or does it come from uh, more developers? Or uh, no, it generally seems to be a Nintendo-led thing. I assume other companies aren't happy with the practices as well. Obviously, as I said, it's bound to be some that really don't care, though. And if those companies don't have you know opinion on this, then at least some of these things should remain available. Yeah, but I I, I guess the reason is. If you as a company said, hey, I don't actually care about this game anymore, <laughs> then you get the thing like... Um, Why are you preserving it? was like, we're going we're gonna to remake Glover. And then they were like, no, just because we don't care about Glover doesn't mean you can't... This our IP, you can't use Glover. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a long and complicated well, thing. Well, I just man. think it's nice and convenient, and it depends how you're using them. Uh, I, I, I kind of used... ROMs to be able to explain games in an easy way uh, from things I've picked up that have been difficult to capture footage for and you know you want to kind of make an audience aware that these things exist because they're fun and you just want to share your passions and ROMs are a very easy way to get that message across and for me that's that's the saddest bit about it I've got plenty of video games but it's the idea that ROMs are an easy way to share what these games look like and how they played and Certain yeah, elements. For sure. 
Because nowadays, you know, these videos might be online and all, but other people might have uploaded them, and other people might not like you taking their footage, or you might want to show particular things that they haven't shown. So to be able to get yeah, you, capture your own footage is particularly good. I mean, this is why I always wanted to create the older glory videos of like just playing through a game yeah. and getting out all the deaths. Was yeah. I wanted people to be able to take footage and just do with it what they wanted if they didn't have the means of doing it. Yeah, and I wouldn't Obviously, have a problem isn't with higher that quality myself. enough. Yeah. So I now we now I could do the all the glory stuff again and actually play through things and balance them properly and whatever. Mm. But there is but, also that yeah. thing online whereas people if you don't give someone credit, you should give someone credit for taking the footage that they've captured. But if you don't do that, I know certain people get very angry. Yeah. But they don't own that game. Well, they do own the game, but they don't. Who? Ah, it, it's an interesting one. I don't care myself, well, yeah, but there exactly. are some people who feel very precious about footage they've captured, and you can't use it unless you ask, which is fine. I I think it's all... Unless it is a video of me speaking my opinion on a game with the footage I've captured, then I don't really care. To be honest, like no, I, I wouldn't do that. I don't see why. I, I take trailers. I take pieces of uh, footage from episodes of television programs or whatever, mm. and I I use them with reckless abandon. I think it's I, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> for me it's it's using visual medium to create something that actually speaks to people and is able to explain something in a certain mm. way. And so for me, if people want to actually go into the biographic videos and go, okay, cool, I'm going to cut this little five-second snippet mm. out of this Turtles gameplay, then go for it. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to get an idea as long as you Well, if I need to do that sometime, I'll do it. it. <laughs> go for it. Like, honestly, I don't I don't get why people are... are I think it's because the they're so precious about their YouTube channels. And everyone's so like views, and if they're using their footage to get more views, then they don't like it because, to some, it's a big competition of popularity. It's a big popularity contest, the internet, and uh, they're competing against each other. I don't think that's a very healthy environment, but I do think that kind of culture does exist a little bit in YouTube. well, yeah, I mean, of course, it's people people wanting to make their passion their their living. I mm. understand that. Mm. I mean, obviously, it's something we did. We we went and we got jobs doing something that we really enjoyed doing. And so for someone else to want to do that and to better their life situation, I say more the power to them. Mm. But I, I don't get... I understand the competitiveness of it because you get competitiveness in any job you're doing. Mm. It's just... I I I don't know. I can't I can't be that passionate about my playing Turtles Radical Rescue compared to your playing Turtles Radical Rescue. No, me, no, the game's the I game. I have experienced the game. The thing that I would be perhaps neglected about is the same thing that was going on with IGN and that Dead Cells review a couple of weeks ago. Okay. I don't know if you saw no, this. No, no, I don't think so. But um, one of IGN's reporters, uh, a gentleman whose name escapes me, so I shall look it up, uh, he he pretty much lifted his Dead Cells review from a another YouTuber, like this guy who was clearly getting paid by IGN. Hmm. Um called uh, Philippe 
uh, Mushin, I think the guy's name was. Um, he essentially just would go into... He went into this guy's YouTube video of Dead Cells because he reviewed it for the PC when it came out in early access. Uh-huh. And for his IGN review of the Switch, he just literally copy-pasted the guy's review and like reworded a certain phrase to say exactly the same thing. Plagiarism, just, he, yeah? He plagiarised this guy's article. Yeah. And uh, for me, that would be the issue for me is oh, someone wholly yeah. ripped off my review. That's the unique work of that individual. Yeah. Or Whereas playing you know, a game someone... isn't necessarily a unique work of an individual. The way you play no. a video game. I, I mean, something like Minecraft arguably could be. You know, Ooh, if yeah, you built something in Minecraft <laughs> and done some stuff with it, then I can see that. But anyone can see that, can't something. they? If they're playing Minecraft, yeah. they can go and visit that and see that on their screen anyway. Yeah. Or is and, you it... know, maybe I. Yeah. But maybe I'll play a game in a certain way for me. Maybe I will. You know, I'll I'll make my Final Fantasy characters do uh, something unique and quite special in my squad setup, yeah. and or you'll I move the camera, I... the in-game camera, in a very artistic fashion, and therefore kind of create your own artistic vision that's unique yeah. to yourself, uh, and then that becomes your own creation. Maybe you happen to slash the sword in time to the rhythm of the music, yeah. and so yeah. it looks and very it becomes good and a... on point. And then that becomes, what do they call them, a viral video? Yes. Ha! Who knows? Okay, I take it back. Don't use my footage. I'm an artist. I was just going to quickly say that uh, video games nowadays, you can play them in so many different ways, whereas if you took an older game, there aren't that many different ways you can play, uh, let's think, of a very simple game, a side-scrolling beat-em-up. For example, yes. of of a, like Double Dragon, how many different ways can you play Double Dragon really? Yeah, compared to how many I mean, different ways you can play uh, No Man's Sky, for instance, or Grand Theft Auto, or, or Elder Scrolls, or anything that's big and vast and has lots of creation tools, or yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, speaking of uh, big and vast games that could be played in different ways, yes. uh, you you talking about my appearance on the on Maximum Power Up, which is a, a podcast about video games. I, I did go on there mm-hmm. recently. And it was very entertaining. I enjoyed it. And I made my feelings uh, aware to uh, to the group there on, on Twitter. What a great yeah. little show that was. And I'd, I'd urge anyone to give that a listen. If you're, if you're looking for me talking about a Game Boy some more. Yeah. But... Uh, as part of that, you you happened to remark that I've never experienced the Tetris oh, effect. Oh, I did. did. How do you feel about that? I, I'm very saddened by that. I actually <laughs> had a dream the night of that that I should share with you that I finally launched a rocket in Tetris. Oh, well done. A little so, rocket or a big, big rocket? It was a big rocket in, in my dreams, was it though, this... Tom. It oh, it was. It, was it, it didn't happen in real life. Okay. It was the space shuttle. It was the space shuttle, yeah. I launched it. Wow. Uh, congratulations to you. In my dreams, Tom, yeah. I've not done it properly, but I will. I will. If you just play Tetris a lot and get in that groove, and then if you happen to just close your eyes, you do see it, and you do get that feeling, and it's it's an odd little thing. I'm not sure necessarily. I think it's uh, it just shows the power of Tetris. Of Tetris, yeah, fair. <laughs> okay, we got an episode title at least. <laughs> Anyone think this episode is all about Tetris. the power of Tetris? Whereas actually, yeah. it's been mostly about uh, uh, piracy uh, and the switch being a uh, you know 
for me at least, not the most interesting thing on my gaming agenda. Uh, yes. <laughs> trying to think, and Top Gun. Um, and Top Gun. Danger Zone! And Pal A and Pal B uh, discussions. Pal A and Pal B, yes. Uh, yes. I'm just going through okay. my list of things. I've, I've, I've built up quite, a, since we haven't podcast for a while, I've built quite a list of things to talk about. One thing maybe we can touch on on another episode, something I've thought about. Video game cases, right? Right. I just mentioned this briefly. Back in the day, okay. it was very exciting to, I was thinking about this, to get an N64 game, the experience of opening that box, taking out that tray, unwrapping that cartridge was unique yeah. to, well, the N64 and the Super Nintendo, I guess that's the same thing. Yes, um, they did. And a Game Boy. But now you don't get that. Everything's sort of in the same case. And therefore, yeah. that platform-specific feeling, and actually just that feeling of it being a video game and opening it, is sort of gone. Because everything's just like opening a DVD case. Well, I mean, yes, but if you, you count in special editions... Oh, yeah, yeah, argue, that's a different story. The user experience and unboxing process of those things is probably a bit more thought out. It is, and I, I, but I just miss that time when you got that very unique experience of going down to the shops and getting an N64 game. It's different than all those other medias on the shelves. You take it down, you take off that Nintendo shrink wrap. Oh, it was a... Uh, I mean, you can still take off shrink wrap off a DVD, yeah. but you open it up and you've got an instruction book for one. Oh, lovely. You might have a few leaflets in there. Ooh. Yeah. You know, it it was it made it more special. And now only special editions seem to do that. And I just think it's a bit of a shame. There it you is, go. for sure. Maybe that's all we yeah, need to I... say on that one. <laughs> Gosh, are these the thoughts that have been rattling around in your head when you haven't been able to talk into a microphone? <laughs> Well, you know, they're just things you, you think about from time to time. And I, I played Wave Race today, and it just reminded me of what it was like back in the day to get a new N64 game and how you go down the shops especially. Or I remember when I, had a mass, when I got my math system to actually get a game as opposed to anything else, you know. It was in its special master system case, you know, and yeah. everything was unique to that, you know, console. It was... Yeah, maybe I'm just longing for the good old days. A bit of nostalgia. I really wish manuals were a thing. Manuals um, is. I was actually. The thing, I pulled. Yeah. Uh, I pulled some stuff off the shelf earlier uh, for the the game that shall remain a mystery that I wanted to watch the film of, and I popped open the box and I was flicking through the manual, and it was some of it was clearly like they'd they'd written it in French first and then the English translation was really terrible. But it was like there was a certain joy to being able to think, hey, can I find this information out in the manual? Well, it's... In this little bit of printing. It's natural, isn't it? I was playing Top Gun earlier. I wanted to know the controls. I just looked in the manual. Yeah. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Especially games yeah, yeah. getting so complicated nowadays. And I don't really like forced tutorials. Um, but that's maybe the most common way people will get to grips with playing a game. They'll have to do this whole tutorial thing which maybe could just yeah, be avoided by printing the bloody controls in the manual. For sure. <laughs> you know? And the fact that cases always have a space for a manual as well. You know, don't tease yeah. us like that. Don't make it seem like there's something missing. <laughs> well, I mean, also those cases are generally a place now for a DLC code. Oh, they are, I guess. Or for a printed advert for something else. Yeah. Just it's not the fact that the games haven't got really any weight to them nowadays. 
make them no, seem literally so less substantial. A, a nice example of a game with a bit of weight was the recent physical release of Sonic Mania. Had the art book yeah. with it, you know, it could have done with the instruction book, but I'll forgive them for that. But it came in a nice case with a cover and then some weight and a reversible cover at that. So, um, yeah, occasionally you get them, but they're, they're yeah, too few of them, I think. Yeah. Steel books are a bit more substantial, but. Well, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I don't. There's really a manual. No, I don't care. I'd rather have a manual than have it be a steel book. Instead of doing special steel book editions of games, just make ones that have manuals in them. Oh man, How is that the world we're living in, though? Where <laughs> you know, it's like special edition comes with twenty-four page manual. <laughs> well, it's better than a steel book, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I would actually prefer it. Yeah, but special editions a lot of the time don't even come with manuals. No, they don't. <laughs> it was actually kind of annoying when I got uh, the Yakuza Six Special Edition. Yeah. Is the the game is it just in a regular case instead of the slipcover one mm. that the the regular retail edition came in? Right. I was like, oh, I actually preferred the regular retail edition. Why didn't you just put these two things together? Yeah. Oh well, so it goes. A madness, madness doesn't make yeah. any sense. It doesn't, Tom. It doesn't. But there we go. That's the world we live in. Actually, Yakuza Kawami 2 is out. Oh, uh, when? Very, very soon. Now I think about it. It is out on the 28th of August. Call Blimey Charlie. Oh, my gosh. And I get to play Yakuza 2 again. Can you believe that? Shenmue 1 and 2 re-release coming out just before another big open-world story game in a similar uh, vein. A re-release of another... Classic, Another highly regarded. second instalment yeah. of a popular adventure series. Yeah. Story driven. I wonder which one of those will hold up better, eh? Hmm. I don't know. I think Shenmue hands holds up pretty well. I just completed the first one again recently. Oh, boy. So, uh... Oh, wait until you play Yakuza 2. <laughs> Yakuza 2 is a good game. For anyone uh, in doubt about my opinions about Yakuza 2, admittedly, I've never played Shenmue 2. I need to actually go and finally do that. Shenmue 2 is a funny one. I wonder how many people will, will realize spend all your money at the start. Because in Shenmue 2, I live in a little secret here your bag gets stolen, right? Yeah. All your money with it. Even if you have no money, <laughs> Rio still comments, You stole all my money. The idea is what really? you, sh- you should do is buy all the capsule toys and all the, the collectibles, like lighters, you can buy lighters, collectible lighters. Do it all in the first section of the game before you get up to a particular point where your bag gets stolen quite early on. Tom Barry tips. There you go. <laughs> yep, that's that's a top tip. But, yeah. Okay. I assume most people want to play Shenmue 1 first. Uh, it might take them a little while to get through that one. I don't know if I'm going to. Um, really? That game, that game's actually quite fresh in my memory, to be honest okay. with you. Uh, for all the stick I give it, I think it's so unique that even though I played it, what, like two years ago? Uh, before I, I played all the Yakuza games, it, it's still in you. So, yeah. I'm hoping, though, that you... this remaster... Sorry. Go on. Oh, I was going to say, go on. I was just going to say I can tell you all about forklift racing. There's nothing too much. Oh, yes. You get all your all your trophies for coming in each separate place in forklift racing. No, I, I passed them all to get on with the story because I thought the controls were awful, but it's okay. Oh, oh. I was just going to mention that uh, I'm, I'm assuming that the re-release will also enable you to 
uh, take over different items that you collect in Shenmue 1 to Shenmue 2. So you might want to play one first oh, so you can yeah, bring the items over. Right. But the items that are inconsequential, really, that you collect in Shenmue 1, they don't really have any effect in Shenmue 2 unless you've got loads of capsule toys and you can trade them. Um, so okay. you could bring over your collected capsule toys and trade them. You lose all your tapes, so none of those tapes you've collected in Shenmue 1 will pass. Yeah go over but your capsule toys will and they could come in handy for earning some money so but there's there's nothing related to Shenmue 1 and 2 going into the third one right there's no like carryover progress thing there from the HD collection to Shenmue I 3. don't know I don't know if there will be probably not um I guess not because but... I mean Shenmue 1 and 2 were only really announced like in the last couple of months right mm. well there is um Things when that... is Shenmue 3 coming out, Tom? Uh, when am I going to get my next Kickstarter year, copy? Isn't it? Sometime next year. Is it next year? It's 19. It year. No, no. It okay. got, got moved to 19, yeah. Okay. But Shenmue 1, 2 re-release has nothing to do with Shenmue 3, and Shenmue 3 is being published by someone else, not Sega. And uh, Okay. Yeah, the development team uh, who were doing Shenmue 3 aren't involved in the remaster you know, they're two separate entities. So I don't know if they've had any conversation about that. Uh, probably yeah. not. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Very interestingly, speaking of re-releases of third games and series, I was just trying to see if they've officially given a release date to the remake of Yakuza 3. Or the HD remaster, I should say. Mm. But they, apparently not. Apparently there's no thing for it. But the Fist of the North Star game has a release date now. I saw that. Oh, yeah. Day. That, I've seen, a special edition, 2nd of been October. advertised, yeah. And Sega advertising that and Shenmue quite regularly. I've not seen much advertisement for Yakuza 2. But... Kawami, no. Surprisingly not, actually. It, it, it did super well in Japan. I think maybe they're hoping word of mouth will carry it. I don't know. Yeah. Fist of the North Star, though, actually having a, a European title now, Lost Paradise. Oh, I've is, seen that, yeah. It's kind of interesting. But it, it does strike me as interesting that they cut out the the Rio. Uh, I've forgotten the bloody Japanese name for Yakuza. There was a, a link in the, the way the name was made to essentially make it sound like, hey, this is the Yakuza Fist of the North Star game that they've completely yeah. removed from. The Fist of the North Star game. Yeah. But, yeah, I'll still play it. It'll be <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'm hoping those Yakuza remasters do well, because I'm hoping to God I can finally get Kenzin and Ishen in English, but we'll see. Well, yeah, fingers crossed. We'll see how that goes. I, I think they will do all right. There's a big fan following, isn't there? For, For sure. Yakuza. Um yeah, I've not really got any more to add. I don't think you're interested. I got Metal of Honor Rising Sun for the GameCube for 50p the other day. That's a terrible game. Good job <laughs> is it for that picking bad? up a, a really bad game, yeah. Why is it bad? Is it... I rented that for uh, my local video rental store. It always used to be a thing where if you went in there on Christmas Eve, the shop wouldn't open again until New Year's. So essentially okay. you could rent a game and keep it for like five days. I rented that game for my GameCube thinking, oh boy, Medal of Honor for the GameCube. This is going to be good trash really okay. bad game i'll play it and the next time we talk i'll tell you my thoughts on it i've okay. only lost 50p so uh exactly that's not the end of the world uh 
Yeah. And people are still playing Black Ops 1 online on the PS3. I can tell you those servers still exist. And yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Call of Duty on the Wii U, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, it's got about 500-odd players still playing it, so if you do own that game, yeah. you can still play it online. You, you would want to, I believe, Tom Parry, want to get Black Ops for the Xbox 360. Because that really? game actually re-entered the UK chart the week it was released on backwards compatibility oh, right. from people buying so digital copies. So lots of people are playing Black so Ops. So lots three on of people are playing Black Ops on the Xbox One. Yeah. Or I just play. I've got Black Ops Three on the PS4, so I might just play that one. Fair enough. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, Parry. Whatever floats your boat. Wonderful. Okay. Well. Have yeah. we reached a logical conclusion to this episode? Perhaps? I do believe so. I hope that people have enjoyed it and they've got a yeah. lot out of it. It's well, there's a, a lot in it. Cobbly me. Damn right there is. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there won't be an episode next week. We will give you the heads up now because I will be in Paris. Oh, that's uh, not right. Yes. You. I won't be in Tom. <laughs> I'll be in. No, I'll be in France. So. Um, well, I I'll think people fun. have come to expect that these podcasts don't necessarily come every week anymore. <laughs> No, unfortunately, that is that is the nature of it. But we try, we try. We We're try still do doing them. We, we still like doing them. Uh, they just will come. They won't be as regular as they were once upon a time. But uh, well, we'll doing. try. But you know we'll what I try. mean. Things happen. Life happens. It's the same reason there's not a biographic every two weeks anymore. It's just like doing a good job man. considering we live in different countries now and do this over the internet. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the editing process is now a lot longer. Let's say. Anyways, oh, yes, uh, if you <laughs> have liked listening to this podcast, you can find it in a variety of places like tommattack.com forward slash podcast on blastprocess.com in iTunes and Stitcher. While you're in iTunes, why not give us a cheeky rate and subscribe? If you've liked listening to it, you can also hit us up on the Facebooks at oh, facebook.com forward slash tommattack and Twitter at TMACast where Tom and I will reply. Alternatively, if you want to reach out to us it directly, you can do so by going to Twitter and going at TomBarry11 or at Gameboil for me. Please do, yes. Love to hear from you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom, you got a Parry's pickups coming out in the week, right? There will be, yeah. There's one just been released on Friday that you can check out now where we do have a look at uh, Land of Illusion and Lion King for Game Gear. So uh, if you've liked the sound of them in this episode, then you can go and check that out. That's on uh, the Blast Process YouTube channel. And Grand. The, yeah, and there'll uh, be another one this Friday. The last one, we'll talk about Shenmue. So, yeah. There you go. Um, and from me, like I said, you can go check up that Maximum Power Up podcast where I talk to the guys there about the Game Boy and the the top 10 games as voted for by listeners of Maximum Power Up over Twitter. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a good, interesting episode. Uh, I, one or two on. surprises, maybe, in that top 10, but not many, I don't think. Uh, and also, I just released today a biographic on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 Radical Rescue, which is why I mentioned that a lot in, hey, if people want to nick my footage, go ahead. I'm going to check uh, that out. You should. Uh, it's it's a Metroidvania, Tom. Mm, okay. Well, we'll see. Hmm. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, fair enough. That's kind of my thoughts on that game, to be honest with you. Spoilers. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. Until the week after next, then, I guess it is time for us to say those magical words we say at the end of every other podcast, Tom Parry. Uh, it starts with a game and ends with a... Alakazam! No, an on, Parry. <laughs> game an on. on. <laughs> game on. Bye for now. <laughs>